Welcome everyone. So today we have a great panel to talk about the user control layer, so everything that has to do with UX uh, interfaces, wallets, how people use their private keys to interact with blockchains, and how all of that plays into Web3 and the things that are being built in DeFi, NFTs, etc. And we've got only 20 minutes, unfortunately, which is an egregiously short period of time to cover such a meaty topic, uh, but excited for it. It's going to be a great conversation. I'm going to start by letting our panelists uh, maybe introduce themselves, uh, like maybe one minute kind of introduction, and then we can dive in. Does that sound good? That sounds good. I'm Philip from Soulfare. We actually built the first wallet on Solana. That was like actually before Mainnet, July uh, last year. And uh, Soulfare was the first staking wallet. And uh, right now we have over 20% of Solana circling supply staked through Soulfare. And uh, we just are expanding onto all platforms. We have a web browser, we have a browser extension. We just launched mobile on Friday, and um, we are just looking to give all our users the opportunity to access Soulflare from whichever platform they want to, and that's what we're all about. Hey everyone, I'm, I'm Brandon Millman. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Phantom. Just got started back in May and it's just been such an awesome journey. I just wanted to say thanks to everyone in the audience and, and listening back at home for, for helping support us on this journey and to hit 1 million users recently. And um, yeah, each and one of you are one in a million to me, so I really appreciate it. Hi everyone, I'm Maria Phillips with um, Slope Finance. I'm head of communications. Slope Finance was the first mobile wallet on Solana. Um, we have over 150,000 downloads and an MAU of 95%. Um, we are mobile first. Um, yeah, fantastic. Delighted to be here today. Amazing. Well, thank you guys. Well, let's start with, I think, one of the basic questions about how user interfaces should interact with the blockchain, and that is the question of whether the keys should be held by the user or if those keys should be held or might be held by a company in the middle, like, say, a company like Coinbase or a company like that, where that would be kind of a custodial model versus having things being non-custodial and sitting at the at the edges. And I think we all kind of know what the ethos of this space is, but of course there are many trade-offs. And so curious to talk through like how you guys think about those trade-offs and what are the kinds of things that we can do to empower the user as much as we possibly can. There's two different approaches, like custodial and non-custodial. Yep. Um, non-custodial is in a true spirit of crypto where you actually control the keys, you control your finance, finances, and no, no one can actually take it away from you. And that's been really, I mean, um, I talked to someone from Algeria and he told me how important that is for them. Yeah. I, since I don't live in a country like that, I'm, I didn't know that that's so important for them because at one point in time, someone can actually get something from the bank account and they lose everything. But on the other hand, all people are actually used to, uh, don't have that responsibility of uh, just holding their all their finances with them. So we have bank accounts, we trust banks with our money, and there's it's going to be a long road uh, to educate all people to get from the custodial to the non-custodial thing. And I don't think that it's ever going to happen in, in a big way, but as 
all crypto he people here are, we are like early adopters and we want to try new things, but the vast majority will always stay non-custodial and there's always going to be those two approaches. Yeah, makes sense. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, so yeah, I'll start off by saying that at Phantom, our goal is to make the decentralized web safe and easy to use for everyone. And you know what that means is expanding past like the very small number of users we have now uh, to tens of millions and, and billions in the, in the future. And um, but you know the, the thing is that giving private keys directly to users is sort of akin to giving them keys to like a supercar Ferrari. It's like super powerful, but not not everyone needs all that power. And I'll say actually, I think there's actually more than just this dichotomy of like non-custodial and custodial is actually a bit of a, a range of different techniques that are kind of somewhat in the middle. So I think there's things like social recovery, multi-party computation, Shamir secret sharing, tourists, those sort of things. And I think all of those techniques have not really been given the chance to really kind of like been taken to their like full extent. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to kind of explore a lot of those options and, and sort of sort of bring more custodial flavor, I guess, to, to, to non-custodial tools. When we look at our user base, okay, number one, India, number two, US, and number three, Malaysia, every one of our customers really are accessing mobile, okay, via mobile. Um, and that onboarding and that access is a, you know, a huge concern to us to make it as easy as possible. So we are looking at different innovations in this space, and especially because we're looking at being the gateway from Web 2 to Web 3, and being able to link activities um, in decentralized identity is what we're calling it, being able to identify people in specific ways according to their activities, and hopefully we're going to use that to lower the access and um, entry barrier for our customers to make it as easy as possible and yeah, better experience. Just wanted to add that actually education is yeah. so important yeah. and uh, just getting people to know, okay, how crypto actually works and why is it so good for them. That's actually one of the things that what we actually launched our Soul Free Academy. So we have blogs and guides to, to capture the new users and tell them, okay, this is how it works. Yep. And so they don't get, because there's a lot of scams out there. Mm. I mean, we both know that because uh, before we actually launched mobile, we have three fake wallets. We actually met one of the developers who made those fake wallets reached out to us yep. and told us, oh, I'm so happy that you're using our wall at the wallet that I made. And he was actually commissioned by someone else to produce fake wallets for Sulphur and Phantom. <laughs> so that was like mind blowing to us. <laughs> he, was, he felt so bad, but he, he didn't know that. And um, so education is key actually to preventing users to for getting scammed and actually yeah. get so burnt that they say oh, okay all crypto is a scam so yeah. that's why i think the, the point this point of education is really good because i think there are two philosophies in the space one of them is crypto wants to be seen this is a line from Kayvon, uh who's the founder of foundation mm -hmm. And his view is, over time, people should become aware of what crypto is. People should become aware of the way that private keys work. They should become aware of the fact that holding your own private key is very different than signing into a Web2 service. And that's one philosophy, that these things will become front and center and that education will be a big piece of this. 
and that you actually, as an application developer, should not be trying to hide it away, right? That you should not be trying to fully abstract it such that the user actually does not know anymore that they're interacting with a blockchain. And then the different, a different philosophy would be more like a product and like very pragmatic uh, point of view, which is people have a very hard time understanding how all of this works. And so instead, what you should do is you should abstract it away. You should make it look as much like a Web2 thing as possible so that you can get people on board. And then over time, maybe you shift towards a more kind of Web3 native uh, user pattern. And those are two very different ways of building a product. And I'm, I'm curious how you guys think about that. I mean, to your point about education, how do you think about education yeah I, I think educating uh, educating users is actually the key to it I mean they don't need to know like 90% of it yeah it's totally fine if they know the, the very basics and if they interact with for example much more complicated protocols they don't need to know what goes on in the background right but they need to know when they uh, when the app says okay you're now signing a transaction what that means on the blockchain yes so and this is this is the only thing that they should know. And we should actually push as an industry uh, users to educate themselves just in, in, in those basics. I feel like none of us here really know what the final conclusion of all of this Web3 tech is really going to look like. And I think we're just so, so early and the vast majority of people who are going to use these centralized technologies have not really used it yet. Yeah. I agree, user education is super, super important. Support is another thing that we've seen that's super important. Unfortunately, the status quo nowadays is to kind of throw everyone into this zoo of a discord and let whatever happen. And unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of projects basically just turn a blind eye to what happens in there. Like all these scams happen, people get DM'd and whatever. So yeah, I think we, we really all need to take a, a very, a much more user focused approach not just in the applications themselves, but in around just all of the surrounding infrastructure, support, education, et cetera. Yeah. Financial literacy in traditional financial services isn't great either, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I do see, you know, this whole e-commerce piece that we're involved in and looking at, I think that is a way to bring people into the space to understand it better. Yeah. If they start using cryptocurrencies or if they start using um, this in kind of their normal daily kind of shopping or uh, activities, this is a way for them to understand that it's safe. You know, I paid for something, I got it, yay, this is good. Um, that's a real great way for them to understand and onboard in a really low level way, but get there. Completely. I just wanted to touch on the topic that Brandon actually mentioned it with support. Um, we both see it in our discords, people get scammed and stuff like that. So um, we tried everything. So we take this try and see what works approach. So we try with Telegram, we try with Discord, yep. but people always get scammed. And at one point, so I think we're launching pretty soon our live chat support on the website, but it's always like this fine line of, okay, how do you actually provide the users the best experience, but that they also feel still completely anonymous? It all depends on, on that fine line, and we need to see what works best, actually. Completely. When I think this actually segues well into, into how a user control layer application like a wallet or um, sort of other kind of applications at that, at that layer enable developers to build on top, on top of them, right? And I think that there's another kind of a spectrum of different schools of thought or different approaches in that world as well where 
like you can think of MetaMask uh, or a kind of the kind of wallet that is very unopinionated about how developers build things on top as being on one end of the spectrum where you can really just sign anything using MetaMask. You can sign just a binary blob because it doesn't provide you really with very much uh, context as to what it is that you're doing. Um, and it's kind of really on the developer to kind of inform you as to what, the, what, what, what you're signing actually is. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you can be much more opinionated about how the wallet integrates with specific applications, such that the wallet itself, the team who builds the wallet itself, might integrate directly with like a protocol that does lending. Like one example on, on the Ethereum, in the Ethereum world would be Compound. You integrate with Compound directly. Um, and then there's like a whole spectrum in the middle where our wallet could provide the tools for developers to build applications for it that are standard and that give a little bit more structure and context for, for what that integration should look like, but it's not done uh, by the team itself. And it enables an ecosystem to kind of emerge and to improve what the user experience might look like by enabling, enabling them to do things in a way that's more structured. So I think we need like certain standards that help us build these applications in a way that are intuitive. I'm curious how you guys think about this spectrum, or if you agree with it, and, and where you guys kind of land on it philosophically. Sure, yeah, I can lead. Um, again, I'll, I'll preface everything by saying that we're like in this mass experimentation phase where a lot of things are still being figured out. Uh, that being said, I, I feel like um, some of the walls that you've alluded to that have done more like plug-in type architecture, so namely Arjun, I feel like have sort of been left in the, in the past a little bit, uh, just because they were not really able to keep up with like the, the explosion of like all of these permissionless dApps yep. um, and, and therefore were not really able to sort of participate in the, in the network effect that gets created between dApps and, and the users of those wallets. And so our opinion right now is to, is to keep it very, very permissionless. Yep keep kind of the current model going and so it has a lot of momentum and, and all of that. But again, that being said, like I feel like we still have yet yeah. to see the, the final conclusion of all of this. So things are, you know, always changing. There's different trade-offs between uh, both approaches because if you integrate it directly uh, into the wallet, so firstly, the UX is going to be way better and you could actually uh, provide a safe haven for all those new users because the permissionless uh, world is a wild west. So you have like five great applications. You have five applications that will actually scam your money a little bit. So you could actually protect them. But on the other hand, yeah, you actually are gatekeeping with your wallet. So this is why the panel is called whole user control layer. So uh, the wallet actually dictates uh, to which application the user can actually connect. And uh, this may not always be in the best interest of the user because maybe that wallet has, for example, uh, a business model with the dApp that they have. So this is one part of it. Like in a permissionless system, um, the other thing applies. So there's uh, inherent risk. And if we're going that way, then we need to go back to the previous topic, and that is education. Mm -hmm. So if we educate them, then it's completely fine to do it permissionless because they know what they're doing. But 
if there's a lot, a big influx of new users who are just coming into the space, wanting to experience something, and they want to do it quickly without educating themselves, we're like in a really tough spot with a permissionless systems. But as Brandon pointed out, we're so early, we don't know which way is actually going to work best. So I think there will be wallets with different approaches and we'll see which one is going to be the most successful one, which the users will actually choose in that perspective. Completely. Do you want to add something, Maria? Yeah. Um, we have integrated with over 80 dApps, um, but we're very lucky. We have 35 engineers, um, and we've created a standardized way for them to come to us and work with us and partner. Um, so that's been fantastic, uh, and it grows. You know, our list is growing. We're meeting people here. Um, so happy to connect. And Maria, are those integrations uh, integrations that the team has has pushed forward, or are those collaborations with the teams? Or I'm curious how they how they work, how they end up working. We it's collaborative. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely work with them and make sure that they integrate with us seamlessly. I think a, a di an interesting question that also dovetails with what we're talking about here with respect to integrations is whether it's possible to kind of unbundle what a wallet is. And I mean, there are kind of standards out there that are being pioneered to things like Wallet Connect. And, um, and I'm curious how you guys think of, of like what the, kind of, that the actual kind of user controls uh, layer looks like. Like what are the various different components? What are the roles of that piece of the stack? And, and how you think about what you're doing kind of plays, plays with that. The wallet is actually a very complicated, in its current form, a very complicated multifaceted product. So there's so many different parts. So not only in the app and outside of it. So inside the app, there's things like key management, there's things that people expect, like being able to do everything that you expect from your tokens, yep. NF view NFTs, uh, swap tokens, like interact with dApps and, and all of that. And so um, it is a very challenging thing to juggle all of those things at once, especially yep. in such a fast-moving environment. And so I could see, uh, and I think we're already seeing those sort of things getting unbundled with like, NFT specific, NFT viewing specific dApps and dApps that are more geared towards like very fine grain control of uh, your token accounts and, and things like that. And so um, I could see a world where they get unbundled, um, but I could also see a world where, you know, we, someone's kind of is able to solve all those things in, under one umbrella. That's an interesting question. So it's basically the dilemma of WeChat and other things. So is it a super app that can do everything? Yeah. Or is it an app that lets you, oh, that is one specific thing and then lets you connect to others? I think the, uh, a really interesting approach is actually to have that super app, but like in a light version. So you actually uh, let the users do like, so very basic operations with NFTs, with um, SPL tokens, with, with whatever they want to, because the space is evolving so fast, user demand uh, is shifting from one week to the other, and uh, if a wallet can adapt fast enough, then they could provide them those basic functionalities. But if they want to do like some really heavy, deep stuff, then it's almost certainly going to be unbundled because you can't have like 15 different, 50 different integrations like fully integrated into the app. So this is going to be, this just becomes bloated at, at one point, yeah. Wow. Especially on mobile. So in web, web is doable. Yep. 
but mobile, when you're <laughs> limited with space, it's going to be almost impossible. Completely. For us, it's the super app approach. Um, we love to keep our customers in internally within the app. And you know, we do everything from activities, news, ranking, uh, centrally in the app. Um, so yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And it keeps our um, open rate really high as well. Yeah. Well, and a related question, which you alluded to, is the question of mobile versus desktop and how kind of the, the patterns of usage of Web3 and crypto might evolve and what might become the dominant the dominant vector for using keys, for interacting with Web3 apps. What are your what are your thoughts? How do you guys think that this will evolve? Yes, yeah, interesting because I feel like Web3 on mobile has actually has typically or in more recent memory ha has had a hard time sort of getting started. Yeah. And I think it's actually a function of the the user base that has been using blockchain apps for the past couple of years, which have more it has been more of like this prosumer DeFi type of user that um, prefers like using complex DeFi apps on desktop. Um, but what we're seeing now, I think, is a couple a couple paradigm shifts that are really kind of setting the stage up for for mobile. So, first is this kind of new cohort of users that is much more NFT focused and and therefore and therefore like a, a lot more casual. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I think those those people actually expect. Uh, a, a really polished mobile experience. So I think that's one uh, paradigm shift that's happening. And, and the second one is, is why we're all here today is, is, is scalable and cheap blockchains, yep. uh, which actually their nature actually lends themselves much, much better to a mobile environment. So I think those two things are actually setting us up for the sort of like new age of like Web 3.0 on mobile, I think, uh, which I think was not as tenable as before. Well, for us, it's definitely mobile. Okay, we do have a Chrome extension as well. But for our customers, they don't really have laptops. It's very much mobile. Um, and that's their experience and how they onboard and how they continue to access. Um, so it's definitely, definitely mobile for Slope. I'll go back to the last point and I'd say it's going to be mixed. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're going to do complex operations on your desktop, most certainly, because yeah. mobile won't have the ability to provide them. But I see actually mobile, the mobile wallet as your signing device for everything. So uh, if you do some, uh, you, when you connect to a, your desktop application, you just sign it with mobile. So because it's much more secure on mobile. And um, another thing is on mobile, so I, I can't imagine myself, uh, I can't imagine a lot of people actually uh, I don't know, sitting on a couch with a, with a laptop open and browsing NFTs as opposed to just sitting on a couch and browsing NFTs from their mobile app. Yeah, yeah. And buying, selling. A lot of people actually, I, I want to connect to Radium and harvest my farm in the morning from mobile. I don't want to do it from a desktop, open the desktop up, type in Radium or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it does feel as like as Web3 begins to intersect more with the consumer world, mobile becomes increasingly more important as a result. Completely, especially with NFTs. Yeah. Because NFTs and games in particular, so all those Web3 games are going to provide a huge user base uh, actually that is younger, the opportunity to experience crypto, and then you need a mobile wallet because all those mobile games will need a wallet. Of course. Unless they integrate one themselves, but talking to a lot of them, they don't want that responsibility because it's actually hard to build a wallet and maintain a wallet for it to be safe and secure for all users. Completely agree. 
All right. Well, I think this is a good point to wrap the conversation. Thank you very much for for joining us. This Thank was you. Awesome. This was awesome. Thank this was you. Fun.